This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Where's my, uh, there it is. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. There's a lot to cover. Who's going to be Time Magazine's Person of the Year? It could be that skater. Um, uh, could be somebody else I've never even heard of. Uh, could be Vladimir Putin, Hillary Clinton. Or there's another guy um, that Time's thinking of. I'm... That, you know, made a big impact, that did something that kind of is reverberating throughout society. I'm trying to remember. I got the skater, the other person I haven't heard of, Hillary Clinton, Vladimir Putin, and I'll think about it. I'll come up with the name here in just a second. And fake news, or is fake news actually more propaganda? We begin there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It, Who's the skater? No, it wasn't a skater. She was a gymnast. Yes. A gymnast from uh, Texas. She oh. made a huge impact on my life. Loved her when she was gymnast. Right. And she's changed the world. <laughs> Time person of the year. She's changed Simone Files. 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 Yes. Changed the world compared to that other guy. I can't remember his name. I'm stuck on gymnasting. Yeah. Uh, if you use the term <laughs> gymnast. I loved her when she was gymnasting. And, uh, that, that's um, what they do. That's a verb. That's it's gymnasticizing. Okay. Well, Pat is a linguist here. Thinking maybe uh, Evan McMullen. Evan McMullen. No, that's not it. There's no. another guy. It was oh, yeah, Daryl Castle. Daryl Castle. Oh, no. Gary Johnson? No. Was it? Um, Gilmore. Jim Gilmore. Oh, Jill Stein. Jill Stein. Uh, the recount lady. Yeah. Ah. No, it wasn't him. Oh, who became president? Um, what's his name? Owns the buildings in New York. You just never and, cover the guy. So yeah, I never cover him, and name. he's made yeah. no impact on the world. I mean, if he's not the Time Right. How does Time Magazine even have a choice? It's not a choice. They, they don't. don't. It's not I, I, they're probably pretending that it's, you know, no, no, no. suspense. No, 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 no. Everybody could pick Donald Trump. We got to pick something yeah. deeper. Oh. <gasps> Like Simone Biles? Yeah, the other one was Beyonce. Beyonce. You're right. That was the other one that's in the running. And I I mean, that's obvious. Uh, What about putting foil on the cover and making it you, the American people? (laughs) You had me for a minute when you said, what about pudding? And I was like, oh, (laughs) pudding would be great. (laughs) It's done a lot for me this year. Don't you look at me. Do you think it (laughs) takes a lot to convince me into making Man of the Year pudding? Um... 
All right. I want to talk a little bit about Pizzagate and beyond Pizzagate, the the trend of fake news. I keep we've been saying this for the last couple of days. I keep coming back to and Pat, you would know this. Isn't it John Adams who said um, this system is wholly inadequate inadequate for a irreligious and uh, uneducated people and and immoral and immoral people. Mm -hmm. This system of freedom is not designed for the people we are becoming. You can't have freedom. Look at the look at the solutions on fake news. We should have some sort of vetting system with Facebook. Or you could do the work and engage your head and say, hmm, A, does this make sense? B, how come it's only on yournewsatthehour.com.ca.tv? Why, is it, why am I only getting it from this one source? And let's look at the source. Do we know anything about the source? People don't, the people read the headline. They're lucky if they read the first paragraph before they share it. Mm-hmm. And some of the studies have found, you know, 80% of people or more don't read the stories they share on Facebook. Right. They, they read the headline. headline. They share it. Um, and that's, you know. And how many headlines, how many times have we read stories where you click on the headline, you're like, oh my gosh. And then you read the story and you're like, well, that's not it. You know, how many times have you posted something on Facebook and you get some angry responder and they address, they're, they're yelling at you about the things you address in the context of the post. Right. Well, I, I, that's what I addressed. That's what this is. A baby should read the post. They never do. They don't, no, even, they don't read even read it. They never do. They don't even read the post. They don't even read it. So you can't have a free people if free people won't do their work. Yeah, there's got to be some first personal right. responsibility. And, and personal responsibility. It requires you to engage your brain, and it also requires you to have something we used to call common sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, common sense tells you, what, what is the Pizzagate story? The Pizzagate story is that Hillary Clinton was running a prostitution ring of underage prostitutes in a tunnel system underneath a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. In the middle of the campaign. Right. Like she was like, yeah, I'm going to run for president, but also the child prostitution thing. Out of well, they did talk place. about pizza a lot in, in the emails. Mm-hmm. So right. obviously that was right. code. So you, you have to believe that A, I mean, how bad, and this is, this is again, the problem of the press and the problem with people like us is demonizing people. Once you demonize people, there was nothing there was, there was nothing anyone could say to the left about Donald Trump that they would ever believe in a good way. And there's nothing that anyone on the right could possibly say to convince you that Hillary Clinton was not the most evil person in the world. So the first hurdle is already done because of conditioning. We just make you into a person who is the worst person in the world. And I won't listen to anything else because everything I have seen on my side of the media, on my side of the feed, tells me that that's a bad person. And if anyone on my side starts to say, well, wait a minute, guys, they've been, they've been gotten to. They're afraid for their life, that somebody has their family. 
or they've been paid off to say those things. Sold out. There's no way to cross those lines. Mm-hmm. So we already bifurcate the country. We already balkanize. And so now the possible truth about the other side can't jump over that chasm. So the first thing you had to believe is that Hillary Clinton was so evil that she would be running. She would be, well, she'd be also competent enough to run a (laughs) prostitution ring of underage kids. There's step one. Step two is there's a tunnel system under Washington, D.C. for pizza parlors. (laughs) Not for the government, but for pizza parlors. Three... She's running this during the campaign. Four, when somebody calls to order pizza, that's when they're ordering a child for sex. Do you want? Is there more? Do you want the uh, full uh, list of terms? I have the yeah. full list. BuzzFeed came up with the full list of terms, which I thought was okay. very interesting. All right. Um, so, BuzzFeed was debunking this. Yes, they, uh, there's a whole, there's a whole, it's a really interesting story about how something like this spreads, which, you know, interestingly with this one, spread from literally nothing. It was just someone randomly tweeting that this was going on. Started with a, a person saying that um, uh, October 30th, right before the election, right? Pe- mm-hmm. People are at the height of their sensitivities over the other side. Uh, white supremacy Twitter account that presents itself as belonging to a Jewish lawyer in New York, tweeted that the NYPD was looking into evidence. Does it always have to be a Jewish lawyer? So, we have a guest on today. It's not. I mean, I'm I, sure, know, but, I know, I know, I you know. We, we have a guest on today, John Ronson. He's uh, this fascinating guy who's talked to people whose lives have been destroyed by the Internet. And he said, I was talking to a member of the Aryan Nation, and they were talking about the Bilderberg, Bilderberg Group. And he said, you know, I don't know how they can be a Jewish conspiracy because... Most of the people that go there are not Jewish. And he's, this is the quote from the Aryan Nation guy. Yes, they're not necessarily a Jew, but they are Jew-ish. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh, well, that's oh. it. I think okay, good. <laughs> All right. So uh, the, the, the initial tweet from the white supremacy account said that Anthony Weiner's laptop contained evidence of Clinton involvement in an international child enslavement ring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, They're so into that. Right. No, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. It's, it's to- not helping down at Haiti. They're abducting children for the pizza parlor. Right. Um, so then it spread to a message board. That message board uh, was then posted by a guy who worked with a British conspiracy theorist and, most, and pointed, uh, posted a site on yournewswire.com, which, I mean, I, didn't, I know is... Well, I've, if it's my newswire, then it's obviously news. <laughs> it says it's news in the site. news in the site. Like ABC dot... Uh, uh, ABC news dot... What was it? C-A. C-A. Yeah, there's some like, yes. TV. Yeah, TV. CO. Or AU. That's what it was. Um, the next story on your newswire uh, took a step by claiming an FBI insider had confirmed the claims. Now, again, we don't have anything yet. So this is where we are right now. One random account on Twitter and a woman in Missouri claimed that an NYPD source was telling them the Clintons are about to be brought down by a massive child trafficking sex scandal. 
one anonymous person on, on a 4chan thread who uh, claimed to work for law enforcement and said something similar a few months ago before news of the FBI looking into emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop broke. And a conspiracy theorist who pulled these things together into a post and then used them to claim that evidence had emerged from the Clinton email investigation that a massive child trafficking and pedophile sex ring operates in Washington. The new Your Newswire story from October 31st was then noticed by right wing and fringe blogs. They began to aggregate it and spread it, um, as you would expect. Um, one site plagiarized the text from the original post. These guys have no ethics in their fake news. Plagiarism? Oh, my God. I, how, I, I mean, if you can't get fake Holy news people cow. to write their own stories, well, what have we become as a nation? Uh, 85,000 shares for that one. 85, now, you, Glenn, you, you, you post stuff on Facebook. You're active on Facebook. 85,000 shares is a big number. It's a lot of because shares. Because shares isn't just like, ah, I just happen to read it. Shares is someone taking the story so seriously that they're actually pushing it out. Now, whether they read it or not. Who knows? But they're pushing it out to spread it even further. And Facebook detects a story that is being shared widely and winds, it, winds up putting it in even more feeds um, because that's, you know, it's a smart system. It's a, it's a I mean, Facebook, uh, by the way, these people are smart. Um, while many sites repeated the details from the original post, others introduced new baseless claims. Subjectpolitics.com. As a big on subjectpolitics.com. They ran a story with, it's over. NYPD just raided Hillary's property. What they found there will, capital letters, ruin their, her life. Well, of course, they did not actually raid the property. And the associated photograph was just a stock photo of the FBI doing something. Not at her house. Nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. Just a picture of the FBI carrying evidence in some unrelated case. Uh, That one had 107,000 shares. And on and on and on and on, True Pundit published a story the same day citing its own anonymous NYPD and FBI sources, listing new allegations. Ending the Fed posted a story and managed to generate significant engagement on Facebook. They were known for um, uh, 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 promoting and making it to the Facebook trending. Remember the Facebook trending topics when Mm -hmm. they said Megyn Kelly was being fired? Mm -hmm. That story came from them, apparently. Uh, Goes on and on and on and on. Um, Now, three days later... Um, and David Goldberg, who apparently started this whole thing, then tweets the story from True Pundit saying my source was right. Well, True Pundit's source was essentially David Goldberg, who tweeted it initially three days earlier. <laughs> and this is how this happens. Hundreds of thousands of, of, May I just of shares. Remember the story about... Uh, George Washington saying that he was a big philanderer. It was a book that was this is this is all something that has been done to us before there was a book that was the first one to take down george washington it was published in i think 1943 i it, look at the footnotes I'll, I'll we'll post it someplace else where we can show you the name of the book and the following book and it what it was was a was a historian a progressive historian that had the agenda of taking down george washington so he publishes this book there's, there's, no, there's no footnotes in this book. It's just stories about how bad of a guy he was. A, another professor, he sees this book and he's outraged by it. And he writes a book, all footnoted, and says, none of this is true. The first book sold an awful lot of copies. Then the book came out that said uh, it wasn't true. That was all footnoted. Then another a third book comes out and says 
this book is true and uses footnotes referencing the first book. Okay? (laughs) And that has gone on. And you can actually watch the tree of lies that has come from that one book. And they are all... So the, the, the next book that is defending the first book, its footnotes go to the third book. It's exactly what progressives have done. With the Constitution. Right. It's what, Using case even have law to say, instead of correct. the Constitution. Correct. You don't need to even make it progressives. You just make it liars. Yeah. They start referencing each other as proof right. that that's what Well, we is. had another crappy decision that backs up this crappy decision. Correct. Yeah, but it, none of it's based in the Constitution. Right. If only there was a book that explained the tie between progressives and liars. If, oh, if there was man. a book we, that oh, What would you call a book like that? Uh, I mean, maybe you'd call it one of the two words, progressive, or maybe liars, I guess. You know, but I mean, I just... Who would write such that a would book, be a, though? That I would mean, be not, a... What a uh, New York Times number one bestseller. Would it have footnotes in it, though? Yeah, it, it would. would. It would. What, and it would make a great Christmas gift. It would be available? It would be available at bookstores and, and online everywhere, really. Oh, wow. You could download it right now. Sounds like fake news to me. It does to me, too. <laughs> it's called Liars. It's available in bookstores everywhere. Uh, our sponsor this half hour is Casper. No matter how many hours of sleep you get a night, um, you want to be able to actually sleep. Um, I know that's a crazy thought. Uh, Your bed can keep you up or can actually help you sleep. Um, The problem is, last night we were laying in bed and uh, it was like 9 o'clock and reading the kids a story and stuff. And Tanya, fully dressed, and she gets grumpy. She was fully dressed. She was laying in bed and she was like, I want to go to bed early tonight. Let's get the kids down. Okay, so we got the kids down. But she lays down in bed, fully dressed, shoes on, everything. And I'm like, I wake her up and I'm like, honey, you got to get up. Leave me alone. Honey, you got to get up and get your, your pajamas on. Get, get, get undressed so you can get into bed. Leave me alone. I'm comfortable. Now, I've done that before. I've left her alone. She was comfortable. And then she says to me all the next day, why didn't you wake me up? My light was on. I was fully dressed. I woke up at 2 o'clock. I had my glasses on. There's no way to win. And a comfortable bed only makes your life as a man a living hell. Or you'll get the best night's sleep you've ever had with a Casper mattress. Go to Casper.com and use the promo code BECK. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Offer code BECK. Casper.com. We have one. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. 
If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. pizza story is you also have to believe that no one else called to order pizza <laughs> and then had like an underage kids show up at their house and you were like no i really <laughs> wanted canadian bacon and pineapple i don't <laughs> why are these Aleutian kids all of a sudden in my in my house as a conspiracy theory spread yes. it went to this pizza restaurant yeah. called comet ping pong which was i guess a you know place where people at dc really like and i guess i think the owner is a is a democratic donor and things like that so he got tied into this somehow uh so and they've been getting harassing calls they got this guy who came up from north carolina with a gun uh and went in to investigate uh, what he believed was a real child prostitution sting, and then so left he after he realized there were no the tunnels. tunnels. They've hid the tunnels so well, he well. could not find them. <laughs> but this is what, it wound up growing into uh, one guy on, on Twitter yet again saying, I'm, dream, uh, I'm dreaming about, this is from the um, Podesta emails. He found a, a phrase that said, I'm dreaming about your hot dog stand in Hawaii. This is code for something. Sex trafficking? So that piece of evidence, quote unquote, the evidence Mm -hmm. is Podesta just saying, I'm dreaming about your hot dog stand in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's the evidence. Right. That there's underage Mm -hmm. trafficking at a pizza parlor. So from that, they built a list of terms that you can find in the Podesta emails. Hot dog equals boy. Pizza equals girl. Cheese equals little girl. Pasta equals little boy. Ice cream equals male prostitute. Walnut equals pe- pe- a person of color. And sauce equals orgy. <laughs> now you have the real truth behind the story. Wow. Sauce equals orgy. Now how do you stand against this? We'll address that next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. back to the program. So now there are there 10 questions that you need to ask yourself to be able to get to, to be able to detect fake news. Now, imagine How many questions? Uh 10. That's too many. Nobody will do that. No, I think they might ask themselves one question, but that's about it. This is a rough 
description of what I think every person who's in the media does when they see. This is what we do. Like, yeah, I mean, it's what we do. But will the average person do ten questions? They have to. If you want to be free, and you want to be a publisher, this is the thing. I think Facebook should change the word uh, "post" to "publish." You know, I've talked about that for a while. You need to understand that you are a publisher now. You are Simon and Schuster. I, would anybody care about that? Well, I'm a publisher but, but, now. I'm gonna no, but you. But I'm people be more careful. Need, we have to find out. We have to. We have to show people. You could post or tweet something that is read by many more people mm-hmm. than most books that are published today. That's for sure. You get 100,000 people to retweet or to even read. You've, you're, you're, you're more read than a, than a published author, many published authors. Oh, yes. Most. Close. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the days of two million sellers, those are over. Those are long gone. Except so, for a select few. Yeah. So it is, it, it, the responsibility is now on you. And so the author has a responsibility. I can't turn in tripe to Simon and Schuster. I can't turn stuff in that is just, and neither can the New York Times, turn stuff in that is absolute tripe because you have the fact checkers and they are hired by the publisher to go through every word. And can you, can you prove that? Can you footnote that? Can you give me some evidence of that? That's why we have... Well, I can't say we trust anybody anymore, but we used to trust the media. And I've, I've got a reason, I've got a long list of reasons why I think we don't trust the media and whose fault this is, and it includes us. Number one on the list is us. We have to be responsible. But there's many reasons why this fake news thing is working. And there's also many reasons why this fake news thing is happening. And, not, and, and, and a lot of it is for anarchy purposes. I don't think this is uh, against the Democrats. I think this is somebody who is a burn the whole system down that started this. I could be wrong. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think certainly several of the names in there are people who believe that type of thing. Right. So burn the whole system down. So they are going to smear and make you doubt everyone on all sides and box you into a corner where you have no hope. There's nothing I can do. It's too big. It's too pervasive. It's, it's everywhere. I'm the only one. It's me and you that know the truth. That's the problem. Okay, so here are the things that my Aunt Joanne is supposed to do before she sends me something. One, gauge your emotional reaction. Is it strong? Are you angry? Are you intensely hoping that the information turns out to be true or false? That's the first thing. I mean, just think about just step one, how difficult that is for most people to do. And that, like, the, the reason emotion can be an issue in, in, in areas like this is because it's, it overwhelms your sense to detect how you feel. And what happens, we know when the human brain is angry or scared, what's the, what is the natural human response? What happens to the human brain? Reason shuts down. Mm. 
it, it, the, the animal man, the, the, what do they call it? The lizard brain. The lizard brain. That takes over. That's why we constantly complain about every, if there's a, a tragedy with guns, that's not the most appropriate time for new gun legislation. Correct. You don't, you don't legislate. That's why we have the constitutional balance of power that we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's why everybody says nothing ever gets done in Washington. That was the point. Yeah, you're not- to slow it down to the process, to slow the process down so the people can never act irrationally. Right. When you feel passionate about something one day, you don't make the law the next day. Yes. Uh, two, how do you uh, reflect on how you encountered this? Was it promoted on a website? Did it show up in a social media feed? Was it sent to you by someone you know? Three, <laughs> I love this. Does it use excessive punctuation? That is a good key. It is. Does it use all caps for emphasis? I immediately dismiss it. If yeah. it's a news source that's using all caps uh, or uh, punctuation, like excessive uh, exclamation points. You know what else you, you can you can almost discount immediately is if it starts out, the FBI has already confirmed this. It's almost always <laughs> untrue. <laughs> that's, that's just not true. Um, uh, does it claim... Does it make a claim about uh, a secret, or is it telling you something that the media doesn't want you to know? Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean every time, you know, we complain about media bias. I think mm-hmm. the, the left complains about media bias as well. Um, and just because a story isn't getting the a proper attention that you believe it should, that's different than, well, you know what, uh, I know a guy at the FBI who's telling me this story is true and no one will talk about this it. This is actually on my list of how this is happening. Um, we don't believe the news. Okay? Nobody really believes the news anymore. It's, it's, we, we respect serial killers as much as right. we respect news people. So uh, we don't believe the news. That's the most. And then we say... The media is not covering it. As somebody, I told you, as somebody who didn't read the stereotypical news from the right, I went and got all news sources. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to read, my main source of news was the Huffington Post. I'm going to read the Huffington Post for a month and not read the other side. Two things happened. One, there was a lot of news that was not covered in the Huffington Post um, that the other side covered. But there's also an equal number of stories that were covered in the Huffington Post that the, that the right didn't cover. And then on top of it, there was another thing. I heard people say, media's not covering it. I know I've said that. Media, and you're not seeing it in the media anywhere. You know why you're not seeing it in the media? Because you're not watching the media anymore. You've made your decision of, I can't trust them, and so I know they're not covering this. Well, yeah, actually they are. You're just not watching those sources. And And the sources you are watching are saying, reinforcing what you already believe. They're not covering this. They don't want you to know that. And that's the circle that happens with, you know, uh, with social media because it, social media <clears throat> recognizes the stories that you like and read, so it gives you more of those, and Correct. they really never see anything. So else. social media, we've self-selected out. If you're on the right, you say, CNN, it's a not a credible source. So you never watch CNN anymore. So they could be covering everything. <laughs> you just don't know it. And you'll continue to say, they're not covering it because you don't ever watch them. 
The Facebook thing is even worse because it's an algorithm. And the more you like a story, it notices the trends. And it, so it leaves out all of the stuff. It's why it is, it, it's critical that you follow people you don't agree with. You follow CNN. You follow uh, Fox News if you're on the other side. You follow the Huffington Post. You read the stories and you follow those people. Otherwise, they're going to be weeded out and your viewpoint is going to get more and more narrow. And depending on what you are liking, if you're liking this stuff, all of a sudden your news is going to be all coming from Alex Jones. Really dangerous. Alex Jones, daily costs, really dangerous. Don't do it. Where else are you going to find out about gay frogs? Well, I know. That's a good point. No one else will tell. Fluoride in the drinking water. Did CNN actually cover that story? No. No, No, they didn't. didn't. What about the suicidal shrimp? We we only found out about that. I know, I know. There is is this. uh, They claim to make us, they're containing a secret or telling you something the media doesn't want you to know. Is anyone reporting on this story? Anyone else reporting on this story? You, I would like to add the question, is perhaps there a, another reason besides a conspiracy for others not reporting on this story? Is there a byline or an author's name attached to this piece? Mm. Then you might want to click on that too. Um, go to the website's About section. Does the site describe itself as fantasy news or satirical news? Um, does a person or an organization that produced the information have any editorial standards? Uh, does the contact us section include an email address that matches the domain, not a Gmail or Yahoo email? Does a quick search for the name of the website raise any suspicions? Uh, does the example you're evaluating have a current date on it? Does the example... How many times have we seen that? Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Where there's a story that is like five or ten years old. Yeah. And they'll just re... re you know... Happens all the time. Happens all the time. All the time. They'll just repost it or, or just reshare it, and all of a sudden everyone thinks it's new again. If you actually went this deep in your investigation, you could almost eliminate fake news. Right. The problem is there's no incentive for the average person to do this. And right. I, we we go through this sort of process, not all of those steps and some that aren't on this list, To when there's a, a, a story that looks interesting that may or may not be fake. At this point, we've done it so many times. You can tell by the headline usually or going just a little bit into it, you're able to confirm whether it's real or fake. But the average person, I mean, if I if we were not in this industry, I would probably look at the headline and judge for myself and hopefully over time i would come up with judgment that would be able to weed out some of the bad things Mm -hmm. um but i i would not be taking 10 individual steps to before i took i shared a story on facebook because it's not that big of a deal i would just do it but if it sounds too fantastical it probably is probably is the problem is also again i go back to the publish button none of us feel some of us share people share things to go hey uh, have you heard about this expecting that somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, I heard about this. No, that's not true. You know what I mean? I get stuff in my email all the time from people that is really easy to say, no, this is not true. Um, I get it all the time. People say, Glenn, can you have your staff look into this? Uh, no, but you could go to snopes.com and see not true 
Well, and, you know, of course, then they'll be like, Snopes, that's also fake news. I know. I mean, that's what they did with the gunman uh, in this pizza shop. Immediately, the people who were pushing the Pizzagate story said that the gunman going to the pizza shop was just a cover up. That is the problem when somebody says, how many times have I said uh, this has been a mantra? Don't I don't ask you for my your trust. I don't want your trust. Don't trust me. And anybody who says trust me, don't trust them. I ask you to listen, engage your brain, and then do your own homework. You have to do your own homework. Somebody who says, oh, believe me, this is absolutely true. Believe, no, believe, believe me. Believe Nobody me. would actually just keep saying that, though, over and over. Because no, I realize. <laughs> all right. When I realize that was the point. When they do, do your own homework. Mm-hmm. That, can, is the, that is the thing. Ben Franklin... What have you given us, Mr. Franklin? What did he say? A republic, if you can keep it. It requires us to do our own homework. Don't listen to us and say, well, I heard it on the Glenn Beck program. Yeah, you know what? We get it wrong sometimes. If it sounds, if it sounds like it's not right, go check it out. Even if it's from a credible source. You've been wrong. You're expecting everybody else to be absolutely right every time? No. I can believe the guy that sold me that 84 Datsun, though, right? I mean, 612 yes. horsepower in a Datsun? Who, yeah. And that's incredible. Who knew? Incredible. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Is that working out? You know, at the time, a little bit of, a little, I think some issue. It doesn't work. And now this. It have an engine. American Financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right. Enjoy the holidays uh, without that nagging feeling of being in debt. I remember... Uh, it was probably 95 or 96 where I was so broke. Uh, I was, I was eating everything. I, every meal I had was on like a Hardee's gift certificate that remember those days Stu? Oh, I love when Hardee's. I know when everything we got was from a free coupon at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't afford the toys for my kids. I couldn't afford the presents for my kids. And I felt like a worthless father. It was the worst feeling because you get trapped in this mindset and you're like, I'm just a bad dad. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's just society is telling you that you have to go buy a bunch of stuff that you don't have to buy. Um, holidays, when you're in debt, the worst. You can consolidate your high interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. The interest rates are at all-time lows, so refinance, consolidate your debts, and then use that money, please, to pay your debt off. You can save as much as $500 to $1,000 every month just by lowering your interest rate and consolidating your debts. American Finance, they are mortgage consultants that are salary-based, so they're not working to sell you something that you don't want that the bank wants you to have. They're working for you. They're not counting commissions. They're looking for a solution in your life. Call 866-750-6551, AmericanFinancing.net. It's 866-750-6551. America's home for home loans, AmericanFinancing.net. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program.
opiate of the masses. Oh, yeah. yeah. And why, we were just talking about virtual reality. When virtual reality really, it's really hits. Holy cow. Yeah, you're, Because right now, as it is right now, at its infancy, infancy, it's pretty amazing. When they have another sensory experience, when you have that bodysuit or whatever it is, yeah. and you can experience people touching you like uh, in the... In the horror th- um, things down, that you can Jeff. watch, it, I'm, yeah, I'm not talking about your yeah. kind of touching, Jeffy. When when it when it's going to be an amazing experience, and nobody will do anything else. Right, and think somebody else can control your entire experience. Yeah. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. America and welcome to the program. One of my favorite authors, a friend, and really a uh, an intellectual giant. I think Michelle Malkin is uh, with us. Michelle Malkin uh, is has got a new job, and we want to tell you about that. But I also want to get her uh, take on the new education secretary because, believe me, Michelle Malkin will have an opinion on that. We go there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are Welcome to the program, Michelle Malkin. New York Times bestselling author uh, and a good friend of the program. Michelle, how are you? Good. How are you doing, uh, Glenn? It's been quite a year. Uh, that <laughs> is um, an understatement. We were... <laughs> Which I'm not usually prone to. <laughs> right. We were, uh, we were just talking about Time Magazine is trying to decide who the man of the year could possibly be. I uh, don't think there's really a choice here. No. I, I think one man has changed... Uh, the world, or at least has uh, found a way to capitalize on uh, where the world was and is, is being viewed all over the world as the catalyst of change. Which yes. is it? Well, things have changed. And uh, uh, there are, are many sub-swamps in Washington, D.C., uh, but the biggest one that has been irreversibly drained has been the swamp that's been dominated by progressives who've been running the levers of power um, since at least the Clinton administration. And uh, for those who had had uh, reservations about Trump on uh, whether it was character or certain policy positions or whatever he's tweeting whenever in the middle of the night, uh, there is one reality that cannot be denied. John Podesta 
and Neera Tandon and Hillary Clinton and all of her minions are out of a job. And it was enough for me when I decided um, after the primary and even before the primary, because I remember the last time I talked to you and the blaze um, last year, I had said that I had no qualms uh, if the choice had to be between Donald Trump or Marco Rubio or Hillary Clinton. And that is given, you know, the both the, the personal and political history that I had had with, with Donald Trump. Was it hard in some ways? Yes. But in many ways, it was probably one of the easiest political decisions I've ever made. Unbelievable. I, uh, as you know, uh, Michelle, and I respect you and respect your opinion and everybody's right to disagree on things. But this was a hard year for for me, I because yes, I you know I, I can't jump on the bandwagon of a you know one point two trillion dollar stimulus package and say oh well you know that's okay. I mean because it's not yeah. that's crazy that's well, crazy you know I, I'm not a bandwagon jumper either either and I haven't been in the, the quarter century that I've been doing this um, and and so you know political reality is unfortunately about having to make cost-benefit calculations. And when you look even now at some of the transition choices, it blows my mind, particularly because you know, Glenn, that immigration and sovereignty issues have been something that have been near and dear to my heart for my entire career, that we have a stalwart hero like Jeff Sessions, um, who is now the Attorney General nominee. I never in my lifetime, thought that ever would be a possibility, let so alone a near why reality. Is, why are you so pro on this? And yet Ann Coulter, who was, uh, in my opinion, damn near unhinged um, on Donald Trump, is now saying we may have a traitor within our midst. You'd have to ask her. Um, all I can do is tell you this. I was covering immigration issues in back as far back as 1992 in Los Angeles. My first book was Invasion, which came out in 2002. And there have been a lot of Johnny-come-latelys to the cause of immigration enforcement and the need to have systemic reform that not only puts the the rule of law and the immigration laws that are on the books first, uh, but the interests of America, American workers, American citizens, and law-abiding people who lined up and did it the right way. Um, And so I I think it's up to each and every one of your listeners and and your readers uh, to make up their mind about how authentic people really are when it comes to uh, practicing what they preach and (laughs) preaching what they practice. Um, can, can I ask you a, a question? I've never talked to you about this before, but yeah. um, the one thing, the one book that you have uh, written, and I haven't read it in years, mm-hmm. um, that I I was perplexed by and uh, thought it was very brave, but I disagree with, is The Case for Internment. Um, because yes. we have had that conversation, and I don't know how anyone can think internment especially Asian descent, could possibly think internment was a good idea? Well, um, maybe you should reread the book. Um, In Defense of Internment, the Case for Racial Profiling in World War II and the War on Terror makes a very sophisticated and history 
based argument that in a post 9-11 era, the kind of uh, national security scrutiny measures that, for example, Chris Kobach, who is uh, the Secretary of State of Kansas, a uh, hero when it comes to fighting corruption, uh, left-wing uh, activism that has seeped into the federal government, and, of course, immigration enforcement, um, helped design in the, the Bush administration. Of course, it is now a, a very relevant issue uh, with the national security entry-exit registration system, which has been falsely characterized as, quote-unquote, a Muslim registry and has been likened to, yes, the Japanese internment. Uh, the, the, the entire thesis of the book took a look at what happened in, yeah, a very far-left uh, liberal FDR administration and asked a question that, that, that very few people asked, but people who actually had knowledge of national security issues at the time, what was the evidence for taking these extreme measures? And what actually occurred uh, is far different than what is taught in history books. Uh, the magic messages from the State Department at the time, which were later decrypted, uh, indicated that there were real serious security threats, particularly on the West Coast. I also delve into uh, the actual history of um, the relocations that took place uh, and the measures that were taken not just against um, people of Japanese descent, but also Italians and Germans who were interned by the thousands. The point of the book, Glenn, um, for those who read it, and I'm very, very grateful over the years that I heard from so many high school history teachers who now teach the book in their classrooms uh, to give a full picture to those students so they're not just getting um, what left-wing um, Alinsky and Howard Zinn historians tell them. They actually look at the original source documents that I include in the book. The point of it is that we want to avoid the the absolute extremes of that kind of policy by taking sensible national security profiling um, measures. And that is why I'm, I'm so vocal about the need for someone like Chris Kobach to head the Department of Homeland Security because he's done the hard work. He's faced the slings and arrows of being called a racist and a xenophobe and a fascist because these people are actually very serious about protecting national security in an unapologetic way, as so, I was when I wrote this book. So let's go to uh, education because you just talked about how education, uh, you know, you're, you're getting Howard's in. Tell me about Betsy DeVos. Yes. So my grassroots friends and fellow uh, warriors against Common Core and Fed Ed know full well that Betsy DeVos has not been a friend to those who want to limit and eliminate the overreach of the federal government in our children's lives and their classrooms. In, mm. in Michigan, Betsy DeVos was, uh, was uh, <clears throat> involved in a consortium uh, called GLEP. I, I believe it's the, the Great Lakes uh, Educational Project, Great Lakes Education Project, which was pushing uh, the Common Core Standards Adoption in Michigan. She now says that she's against Common Core. 
she now says that uh, she has adopted Donald Trump's stance, which was very clear, um, and not just clear, uh, but also much more sophisticated than simply saying, as everyone else has now, uh, that they oppose Common Core. And, and of course, um, you and I were, were uh, teamed up to illuminate the dangers um, in the classroom with regard to student data mining, the uh, over-encroachment of, of the testing regime, and, of course, the ways in which these so-called federal high standards were undermining local control in local contra uh, classrooms in states where the standards were already much higher than what the federal government had set. And, of course, it's the Gates Foundation and Jeb Bush, which are largely behind it. Um, so grassroots Michigan activists and parents um, are are very worried, and rightly so, about how committed Betsy DeVos will be there there's there there's i i have mixed feelings about it and i think that uh, leading up to the confirmation there are many questions that she needs to answer and that informed senators in both parties need to ask uh you cannot just preach about school choice and and charter schools and expect uh to to uh have people bow down to you um on the right just because school choice has has long been one of those uh sacred cows for us the the the, the more sophisticated and informed parents many of them in your audience glenn understand that choice and Fed Ed and Common Core are completely incompatible, and there is an explicit cognitive dissonance involved there because espousing choice doesn't mean anything if Common Core aligned textbooks and tech and testing are being forced down the throats of independent charter schools and, yeah, school choice uh, beneficiaries. If you still have to submit to the Common Core regime that has not been dismantled yet, choice is illusory. So, because um, this is kind of what, you know, in a nutshell, this is kind of where we have been, that uh, I think some of Trump's picks have been confusing at best, because his policy will say one thing, and then he'll pick somebody like this, and you're like, well, wait, no, wait, Jeb Bush celebrated her appointment. Uh, that yep. can't be a and good I, thing. I did, yes. And I did point that out. Now, having supported Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton does not obligate me uh, to jump up and down like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader at everything he does and every choice he makes. And just as I did with every other um, president, whether they were Republican or Democrat, when they deserve to be praised, I will be out there praising very loudly with my big brown mouth. And when they deserve to be <laughs> wow, what a racist. I will do the same. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem has been, hasn't it, Michelle? Have you noticed that that so many on the right are doing just that? I mean, sure, it's well, we're, I it's mean, been amazing of... to me that nobody has said anything about Ivanka and Donald both meeting with Al Gore yesterday. Nobody is saying anything about a trillion dollar stimulus package unless it's good. Uh, unless oh, it's good. Well, yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying, and I understand why you feel that way. But uh, uh, there's 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 plenty of unhappiness about a number of things. But I, I, I think. I'd love to hear you know, it. You have to step. 
for me, okay, I, I will tell you how I came about these decisions because I, I, I mean, we've we've been in. I I, I appreciate I, that that I have friends in the never Trump camp. I have friends who yeah. are on the Trump train since mm-hmm. day one, and there are a lot of people who are more like me who initially struggled with this decision, but sort of stepped back and saw the bigger picture. I was definitely, um, you know, at, at a certain point in this election. I'm, I was just never Hillary. That doesn't mean that uh, right. I'm going to be I, I happy think you're the majority. Ivanka, Ivanka and Donald are meeting with Al Gore. But somehow Do you this think man that's... was able to defeat that machine, and that means mm-hmm. a lot to me. It right. Does. does that does that mean do you think there's a chance because I said this yesterday and this is a little bit of the hey, John Roberts must have a plan to really defeat Obamacare. Um, so it's a little wishful thinking. But I mean, do you think that he actually is buying into the global warming thing here and Ivanka is going to run with this or is this a way to kind of bring it into the fold and defeat it? idea what they talked about um and so it might be worth asking about that and you know uh there were a lot of, of past republican presidents who met with really shady people you can go back and look at all the uh pictures of george w bush palling around with al sharpton and newt gingrich palling around with al sharpton uh and and many other uh execrable left-wing figures does it mean that he's going to throw in with the climate change crowd? Well, the fact that he picked Myron Ebel from the Free Market Environmental Hardcore Competitive mm-hmm. Enterprise Institute to be yes. the EPA nominee, who is a ad- right. an adamant, has been an adamant opponent I, of I, the left-wing yeah, global warming crowd, mm-hmm. tells right. me that he means business. Yeah, we, yes, we no, he met with Al Gore. So right. it gives uh, people a lot to fret about. Well, I will say, if it was Ted Cruz meeting with Al Gore, it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, uh, well, nightmare. I, I, but I think that's a mistake. I, I stand by what I said yesterday. This president, the current president, never reached out to anybody on our side. And it, when you shut it's yourself true. off, it's true. then you got nothing. Yeah. And, I mean, at least he is reaching out. We'll, the proof will be in the pudding on what yeah. he actually does. i got to go. Um, we're up against a break. Uh, her new gig is on Mark Levin's CRTV. Um, it, it, is it begin tonight, Michelle? Yes, my episodes are now all available. I have four episodes that go in-depth on topics that I've covered for my entire career. Um, And I do want to say that one of the most important stories I've ever, ever, ever covered uh, is the subject of a first two-part series of CRTV's Michelle Malkin Investigates on a former Oklahoma City police officer who was convicted a year ago this weekend of a series of alleged sexual assaults. I dig deep into this case, and Mm. this is the most massive miscarriage of justice I have ever experienced. That is saying something. Um, And it's available now. Michelle Malkin investigates on CRTV. Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, And we'll talk again. Our sponsor this half hour is ZipRecruiter. If you're a business owner, you know how important it is to find the right person to hire. But that can take a lot of time and you have a business to run. Save time and find the best candidates at ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter makes hiring fast and easy. One click, post your job on more than 200 top job sites. ZipRecruiter identifies top candidates and notifies them to apply for your job 
all within minutes. And then they have a dashboard screen that sorts everybody out and you can evaluate the candidates all in one place. I don't want these people. I want to call these people, et cetera, et cetera. Makes it easy to hire and fast. Qualified candidates within minutes. See why a million employers just like me have joined ZipRecruiter's award-winning service for help with their hiring. Right now, post for free with a special offer, ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. I'm sort of mixed on it. It's Thank okay. you. I'm, you know, it's, it's okay that you're here, but we were just, you know. Well, I'm, I was talking excited. to the listener. I wasn't talking to you. I'm not glad you're here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, well, you're not talking to all of us here. Are we? No, well, I'm not happy you're here. I mean, it's the holidays, but that doesn't turn me on on that point. I'll never change that principle. Jeffy, <laughs> how do you guys feel about Al Gore and Donald Trump? Meeting. This is a gr- Michelle brings up a great example of what of what the questions are for this presidency, yeah. which is Myron Bell is a guy we praised. Yes, few, absolutely. Over yes. the top praise for that pick, saying that not only is it a good pick by Trump, but it's a pick that a normal Republican wouldn't make. But now it looks now, like he's capitulating by meeting with Al Gore. So which that's, side, that frankly, yet. that's what it, we don't know it, no, but yes. that's what it looks like. Which way does he go? Everybody would admit no, if it was somebody other than Donald Trump yes. for some reason. And Bell was, by the way, is not he was only the transition at the EPA. He's not been named the EPA, the head of the EPA. Um, well, so he's, he's the transition, transition guy. So where right. does he go? How does he land on these things? It's important oh, to watch. And wait he, a minute. That's a different well, we'll story. It's, but it's a, it was a good sign. And that's the issue here. The people who wound up voting for Trump are the most important because they all told us during the primary that, hey, if he wins, we need to hold him accountable and we will. But not until he wins. Obviously, we can't hold him accountable until he's president. Well, now he's going to be there. And those people are going to be the most important voices criticizing him when he does wrong. And will, I think, be helpful praising him when he does right. Those are important things to do. And you have to hold to that principle or what do you have? This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I've got two stories, three stories that I want to share with you here that may open your eyes to where we're headed as a, as a world. First of all, let's talk about the carrier story. Um, the carrier story is being heralded by many um, and being demonized by some. What was the, what's the carrier story really all about? What is it really all about? <laughs> Saving 
jobs. Saving yeah. American right. jobs. Saving American jobs. Mm-hmm. That's what that story is. A thousand really. jobs. Supposed to save a thousand jobs. That's our goal. Save a thousand jobs. What is the story, the underlying story about on the negative? It's crony crap capitalism, right? Right. Mm-hmm. As according to Sarah Palin. Yeah. And it is, it is uh, the government getting involved in, um, in not an over-the-board or, uh, you know, across-the-board tax cut, but special... Picking, in, picking winners and losers. Picking winners and losers in a specialty. It's socialism or crony capitalism, mm-hmm. one of the two. All right. But remember, our goal is to save jobs. So there was an interview with the CEO of Carrier, and when you're actually listening to the CEO of Carrier, you start to learn a few things. One, why are you moving to Mexico? Why did you even consider that? Mm-hmm. Was it because of the, the um, uh, cost Food. of employment? Food's really good. No. When is, is, it, is it the cost of labor? Well, yes, um, that's part of it. Um, the average salary is 80% less in Mexico than it is in America. So, yes, we will save a lot of money on our workers. But... That wasn't the only major consideration. Oh, what was that? Well, in America, nobody wants an assembly line job. These are not highly skilled jobs. It's, we're not, quote, not assembling jet engines. We are assembling air conditioners. And so our rate of turnover is extraordinarily high in Indiana. Mm-hmm. because people view that as an entry-level job. They'll go work at the carrier air conditioning plant. Where in Mexico, they look at that as a really good, stable job, and people will work there forever. So they don't, they're not constantly leaving, and their um, uh, absences in Mexico only uh, rank at 1%. So people calling in sick is 1%. I don't know. He didn't say what it was here in America, but he said it's much, much, much higher in uh, their plant in Indiana because there's nobody's really happy with that job. Damn those people for not wanting to assemble air conditioners. Exactly right. Okay. so remember, what was the goal again? The goal was to save jobs, save jobs in America. Okay, good. So he's saying, well, that's not the reason we didn't take them because it costs us less. We took it because. We know we can hold on to the workers in Mexico. So they're better employees in Mexico because they want the job. This is a job that Americans mm. don't necessarily want to do for an extended period of time. And it's cheaper wages, right? Uh, yes, right. 80%. Right, 80%. Yeah. So what are they going to do with the savings, do you suppose? So Carrier says, or the reporter says, so... You're going to be saving a lot of money, and you're going to be in re- reinvesting that in the company, in the plant, right? What do you suppose the carrier guy says? <laughs> He's going to. <laughs> oh, no, that's going right into my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of to... vacations to take. <laughs> He's going to invest it in the plant. He is? Uh huh. Sanctuary for bald eagles. Uh, oh, no, they're probably going to use uh, robots to, re- to assemble the update. air conditioners. Yes. In automation yeah. at the plant. Yeah. <laughs> because they can't get the people to do it, so they'll use our tax dollars, 
not their tax dollars that they saved, but our tax dollars that we gave as a subsidy to update the plant Mm -hmm. to insert automation. I'm surprised they hadn't done that already. Wow. By the way, um, it's cheaper. If you're not using somebody else's money, it's cheaper just to move the plant. But if somebody's going to give you free money, okay, we'll stay. By the way, the unemployment rate in this country currently today is 4.6%. The unemployment rate in the manufacturing uh, sector is 3.9%. It is lower, lower. And this goes to the point the carrier guy is making is that people don't want want these jobs. jobs. We keep praising manufacturing jobs. I've had manufacturing jobs. They're, They're not fun. I, 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 everything, uh, like, look, some of them are really good jobs, and people are good on it or hard on it. Yeah, but you're not doing it anymore. But I, don't do, I did everything I could to stop doing it. I hated Nobody it. Nobody wants to do that. Because I'm, I'm a wuss. Uh, you know, people, if you can choose, a lot of people will choose uh, to do different jobs. And, uh, you know, this is an issue. They're talking about millions and millions of jobs that are posted in the manufacturing uh, industry in America that they can't fill. Now, that doesn't mean your local plant didn't close down and you lose that job. And, it, and it's a terrible story and it hurts your family and it hurts the town. And these things happen. Okay. Um, but the, and this is why the news media loves these stories, mm-hmm. because they can take they know exactly where the people are. They know exactly how they're going to feel. They're going to walk up to a factory and people are going to be streaming out with boxes of their belongings crying. Yes. And that is a, an incredible story for the media to cover. It's much more difficult to go find thousands of people two years later to find out that they got a job they like more. That's a much more difficult story to tell. So let me switch gears. Let me go to Seattle, Washington. There's an amazing thing happening in Seattle, Washington. Do you hear about Amazon, what they're doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You walk into yeah, a grocery yeah. store. You put your phone. You just scan your phone. It takes all your data. You walk in, and you just take whatever you want from the store. And you don't have to stand in line. You don't have to go to a counter. You have nothing. Everything is RFID chipped. And so you just walk out, and it totals everything and just bills it to your phone. Oh, man. Isn't that great? We talked about that. Now, it's in Seattle. That's awesome. It's great. It's an interesting location. Well, it's the home of Amazon. That must be or it's also the place where it's $15 an hour hmm. for the average person that stocks the shelves of the grocery store huh. and works the counter. So this is a great innovation that everyone really loves, except it's eliminating Jobs. Well, let me go, go to an, a third story. Uh, the forecast and the trends and the analysis on disruption of the automotive industry. Another story. I found all three of these stories yesterday. I think there's a theme here. This one is just talking about how cars are going to start being used while you are at work. So in other words, you put your car, you just put push make money or whatever, make money for me. Your Uber button on your uh, Your Uber button on your car. And now your car is for hire. So now your car just is used when somebody says, I need an Uber. Boop, boop. Your car wakes up, drives to them, says, where do you want to go? They just text it and put it right into the car. The car drives them to the airport. Zoom. Comes back, picks you up for work. Your car has made money while you're at work. How Freaking fantastic is that unless you You're are a taxi a driver. driver or an Uber driver. Or an Uber driver. Uh, we need huge mm. subsidies for cab drivers. That's the only answer. The only thing we could do is come up with special we deals for individual cab companies. Going so to lose all these cab driving jobs. Mm. 
what is going to happen to all these cab drivers? Never. We, we are in another transition, aren't we? This is wow. this is the moment I've told you is coming. Yeah. And you can either wake up and the president can wake up and say to the American people, guys, 50% of all jobs will turn over. By 2025, wasn't it? Five zero will turn over. No, by 2040. I thought it was 50% will turn over by 2040. Meaning, your job that you're currently doing ain't going to be done anymore by 2040, 2050. So what is it you're training your kids for? What does the world look like? And if our idea is to save jobs, then we should allow companies that are doing jobs that we don't want to own as a country, let them go and find something else. Well, wait a minute. What else can we find? I don't know. That's where you free up the innovator and the entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. and you embrace new technology, not old-style jobs. Right. I mean, Ben Sass posted this a week or two ago, which I thought was amazing. In 1790, 90% of workers were farmers. 90%. In 1840, it was down to 69%. By 1900, it was only 38%. By 1960, it was 8%. Look at all the farming jobs we lost. By 1980, 3%. And it's obviously even lower anymore. now. Okay. That's why nobody so, right. eats. People Can still eat. People yeah. still work. People still enjoy themselves. Have you they been buy to, things. Have you been to a farm lately? I went to... I, I, oh, cu- I to cut my... Oh. I cut the alfalfa at my farm. Mm-hmm. So I go cut, cut the alfalfa. And well, I cut it... I mean, we've been I cut alfalfa. it away from the road because I don't want anybody to see how sloppy my lines are. Okay? I have a guy who lives down the street, has a farm down the street from my... And his lines are a piece of work. I mean, it's artwork. I look at it, they're in circles and up and down hills, and I'm like, look at that. It's perfect. Just let him do yours. Yeah, well, I thought about that. And then I talked to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a GPS system on the tractor. You just push a button, it cuts itself. <laughs> <laughs> really? You push a button, wow. and it That's drives, it, it maps the entire farm out. It's fantastic. You know why? Wow. There's no wasted space on his farm. Right. Zero. Zero. Now, I can say, well, what about all those people that have spent their whole life? Those people are all saying, give me the damn button, man. <laughs> give me the damn button. Now this. <laughs> Globalists are not going away anytime soon. India, we talked about this. This was off the air, didn't we? Talk about this earlier, about mm-hmm. India. India is, there's a story that I found last night about how India is moving towards a destabilized country. That's the largest democracy on the planet. That is a free nation that could go into chaos. One of the reasons is because they are eliminating cash. And they are telling one of the largest buyers of gold per capita, Indians, I don't know why it's some Indian or Hindu ritual, Indians buy gold, a lot of it. Guess what the government is saying that you can't buy anymore? The government in India is starting to say, no, no more buying of gold. Well, that's deep cultural stuff. That's not like you buying gold. That's cultural. That's religious to them. Mm. It, you're going to destabilization because of globalization. Donald Trump is going to have his hands full, and we need to pray for him and pray for us, but we also um, we can either tuck our head between our legs 
and not pay any attention and hope for the best, or we can prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I suggest you call Goldline now because a cashless society is coming. Massive disruption is coming. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Take the fear out of your life and be prepared and then just enjoy yourself as best you can. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I will tell you that I do have tractor envy. Uh, we were talking about the, it's called uh, precision, precision uh, farming. And it's this GPS system that um, helps you cut your fields. And we were, the guys were just like, why don't you get one of those? I don't even know how much they are. I just know how much tractors are. Mm-hmm. I don't know how farmers do it. I really don't. I mean, when farmers are like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you ain't kidding, Jack. I don't. I think farmers have the most underrated jobs, and it's the it's the one. The reason why we have like three farmers left in America yeah, big, is because all of their kids grow up in it, and they're like, "I ain't doing this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then big true. farm takes like, over. I can't get away from. Thank we're God. all we're and all that is true. Big farm, and that is true. Thank God for it. Thank God for Big Farm. Thank God they can stuff my belly with cheap food. Thank God that you can do it. And by the way, it happens from all over the world. Um, You know, it's great to have, you know, there's a lot of local farmers, and it's become more of, honestly, a niche product. It has. Um, And that's not bad. It's great that you have something that can feed the masses cheaply, and then if you want to make choices like uh, local and organic and all that other stuff, you can do it. And people are doing it. I will only eat locally sourced food now. <laughs> I will only eat something within a 12-mile radius of my home. It's funny. They've done studies on this and found that the local food is actually worse for the environment in many cases. <laughs> oh, yeah, and is. the reason for it is it, because, like, huge farms that are off, uh, operating in, Everything in is. Costa Rica, right? <laughs> but it's so efficient. Yeah. The travel is just a tiny part of the process. For instance, for instance this this navigation system that cuts you know cuts your crop, um, it'll save anywhere between I think six and ten percent of your farmland. I mean, think of that. Think of the waste. Think of uh, you know you put those together, ten to six percent. A machine has of to be all farmland. Absolute fortune. Oh my gosh, some of these quarter tractors, of a million. How much is that? Oh, thing? I have no idea. Some of these yes. tractors are, you know. A quarter of a million, $400,000 for the whole thing. Wow. It's crazy. It's like buying a nice house. It is. Wow. I, I, see guys, I see guys with tractors next to their house, and I'm like, I'll bet you the house was a quarter of what that tractor cost. But, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. Right. It's your job. You need it. Job. That's why I'm eternally it. optimistic on these things. I mean, you go back and you look at the 60s and 70s when they were making the predictions of doom 
uh, about population control and how all the mm-hmm. species would be wiped out and nothing would exist. And what the they food. never seem to factor in all of these quote unquote scientists, and many of them are not scientists that wrote those books, but uh, but many of the, all the scientists they don't they don't take into account the scientific advancement know, that and, happens and, and helps. These and things. what's amazing is many of these farms because this is an old farming community I live in, many of these farms were run by families when there were 10 kids. Mm. Now you'll see one old guy on a tractor, and he's still running (laughs) more space than they did with the 10 kids 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's, It's quite remarkable what technology has done, but it changes the job scenario. Glenn Beck. Mercury. We've had a really fascinating discussion today um, that is focused on the Internet and the role that is played with fake news. I want to take it to public shaming, the way we crucify each other on the Internet, and then we move on with our life. We say horrible things about each other, or if it's worse... You have said something, and then it's been taken, and all of a sudden, you're the number one trending topic in the world. You're like, what the... And your life changes, but everybody moves on after we've wrecked your life. So You've Been Publicly Shamed is a name of a book by John Ronson, and he has talked to some of the most famous criminals of Twitter. I mean, people who have said horrible things where we all had to stop our life and comment on them. And then we moved on. What happened to them? We start there right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn all right I, I want to start with the story of Justine Sacco ever heard of her Ever, do you know the name Justine Sacco? Anybody? Anybody? Stu does. Well, Stu does. Just because we talked about Anybody it else? a little bit. Yeah, you, you know, so you remember? Ago, yeah. yeah, okay. But you would not know that name if you were the average person. Right. Yet, you most likely know the story. And we're going to start there with uh, John Ronson, uh, author of the book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. I'm well. How are you? I'm really good. I um, uh, We were having this conversation the other day, uh, about a month ago, uh, internally, and we're like, what happens to these people? We've just moved on with our life, but their life is just a wreck. And Stu is a fan of yours and read this book, and he said, oh, you've got to read this book. So we wanted to bring you on to tell some of the stories, because they are truly fascinating. 
They are. And, and by the way, I'm glad that you equated it in a way to fake news, because I think the two things are kind of connected. I do, um, too. In, yeah, in a story like Justine Sacco, the world... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before we get there, uh-huh. explain how you think they're connected. Well, because when something like the Justine Sacco incident happens, uh, and there's many incidents like that, the world gets to know a tiny sliver of information about a person, and then they decide to draw huge amounts of inferences... Um, a, a person is defined uh, in their totality by a single tweet that they wrote. Um, and then all hell breaks loose. So in a way, it's kind of like fake news. It's like you take a little slither of a fact that means nothing, and you create an entire narrative out of it. But isn't it also a lot like celebrity news? I mean, the paparazzi, they take one picture, they mm. take one salacious piece, and your whole life is destroyed. Yeah, I, I remember someone saying to me, um, you know, one of the ironies is that Twitter uh, claims to hate tabloids and tabloid yeah. television. Yeah, uh-huh. that's exactly how, how we behave every day. It is. It yeah. is. Okay, so, um, this so is Justine... This hypocrisies, I think. So Justine, she gets onto a plane and she's going to South Africa. Yeah. And before she gets on the plane, she tweets... Yeah. Well, she'd been tweeting little stupid jokes all day. So when she went from New York to London, she tweeted something about a German passenger with B.O. I mean, she was not great on Twitter. She was kind (laughs) of acerbic and not hugely likable. But she had 170 Twitter followers and was basically... Basically, a, a bad comedian tweeting into an empty room. So she gets to, uh... Heathrow, and she writes the tweet that then went around the world. Uh, And the tweet was, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white. Uh, Now, Mm. um, I mean, not not good. (laughs) However, (laughs) however, when I met Justine Sacco a couple of weeks later, I'm to this day the only journalist who's ever interviewed her, and I met her in a bar, and I asked her to explain the joke, And she said, living in America puts us in a bit of a bubble when it comes to what is going on in the third world. I was making fun of that bubble. So when you look at it in that perspective, it's not as bad a joke. And that's, I think, kind of obvious from the joke. I mean, people are acting as if she thought white people couldn't get AIDS, which is obviously completely absurd. It's obvious she was commenting on this disconnect between America and what goes on around the world. And, you know, you say it's a bad joke, and it is a tasteless joke, and, you know, not funny because she's not a comedian, but isn't that, I mean, jokes are kind of like art. It's all, you know, subjective, uh, it is to some regard, and everybody does that. Everybody jokes. It's not like you have to have a license to make a joke. Sure. I mean, I suppose what you could say about that joke is that it's a kind of poorly executed version of a of a kind of honourable liberal joke. Um, so, for instance, it's exactly the kind of joke that's made in South Park all the time. It's a, it's it's the kind of joke mm-hmm. that Randy Newman, who I love, has has made his has based a career on. You you do a kind of exaggerated version of your own privilege and mock it. So it's it was actually a left wing joke. Um, mm-hmm. 
But she never got a chance to explain that to anybody because of what happened next. So we'll okay. see what happened next. So she gets onto the plane. They seal the door. They say, turn off your phones and your devices, and uh, we'll turn them back on once you get to South Africa. Right. Any, anybody who has flown over just the continent of Africa knows that's a never-ending trip. <laughs> it was about 11 hours of, yeah. of blissful ignorance. She slept. Um, there was no Wi-Fi internet on the plane. Um, so, and then she um, woke up at, at Cape Town as the plane was taxiing on the runway. She turned on her phone and immediately a text came up from a friend, from somebody she hadn't spoken to in 20 years that said, I am so sorry to see what's happening to you right now. Uh, and then so she looked at it kind of baffled, had no idea what, what was going on. And then another text from her best friend that said, you need to call me right now. You are the worldwide number one trending topic on Twitter. Imagine how your heart would sink. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, what is happening? Right. And so what was happening was mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah, I mean, horrendous. I should say that I, I don't, some people see this as a, as a kind of politically biased story, um, mainly because in this particular story, it was um, the left going after her more, I'd say, than the right, although kind of everybody went after her. But these stories happen all the time. Sometimes it's the right against the left. Sometimes it's the left against the right. It's the kind of horrificness of the story, I think, that matters, as opposed to um, which side of the political spectrum you're on. And, and she is, was, and she was actually left. It was left going after left, after left. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, so the first thing that happened was one of 170 Twitter followers sent the tweet to a journalist at Gorka uh, called Sam oh Biddle. God. I know, and and that, and so he delightedly retweeted it uh, to his 15,000 followers, saying. Um, uh, in fact, I spoke to Sam Biddle not long afterwards, and I said, how did that feel to have started the onslaught against Justine? And he said it felt delicious. And then he said, mm. but I'm sure she's okay now. But she wasn't okay. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. I'm sure she's okay now. You know, you know we, we love to play psychological tricks on ourselves to not feel bad about the bad things that we do. So, um, so when you met with her, how long after this absolute firestorm she lost her job she i mean her life was destroyed in the book you in the book you say well it wasn't you know necessarily the perfect job for you and she's like yeah i i think it was my ultimate dream job that she lost it was she and the thing is it was everybody her shaming was a shaming that the whole world could get behind so philanthropists started shaming her and tweeting things like, in the light of this disgusting joke, I am donating to Aid to Africa. And then trolls started going after her, saying somebody HIV positive should rape her, and then we'll find out oh if her skin colour protects her from AIDS. Of course, oh, nobody geez. went after that person. Um, hipsters went after yeah. her. A hashtag started trending worldwide. Hashtag has Justine landed yet. Um, and so, and people were tweeting that I, I'm in this bar, and I really want to go home and go to bed, but I can't until Justine Sacco lands, and I see what happens when she turns on her phone. 
Um, and she and she didn't even know when she's walking in the airport. I saw this in your book, a picture of her walking in the airport and somebody takes a picture and tweets here. She's finally landed and she's wearing sunglasses to hide her shame. Did she even know at the time? I, at that point, she knew. I think she'd, she'd found out because that was a baggage claim and she found out as as she was getting off the plane. So I think she'd known for about 20 minutes. But I wouldn't say it was. Well, was it shame? I mean, it was certainly fear and distress yeah. and yeah. agony and maybe some shame um she oh, oh you know corporations got involved uh go go the internet the, the white you know the flight yeah. internet people tweeted something like next time you're getting on a plane justine sacco maybe you should choose a go go flight so corporations <laughs> got involved um of course her, her, her employers essentially fired her over twitter um Somebody linked to a flight tracker website so the whole world could watch as her plane um, got closer and closer to landing. Uh. <laughs> the worst sta- okay. instincts so, of humanity. So I, mean, I, I, I want to I, I go because there's a couple of things in this story. We have two other stories I want to get to. But there's some other things in this story about group madness and, and what you write about, about a, a poorly worded joke, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but I, I, I want to know... Uh, how long after did you talk to her? And have you talked to her since? What what has changed in her life? Well, I, okay, so the first time I talked to her was probably about two weeks later when I met her in a bar and she was just crushed. I mean, she she couldn't stop crying. Um, she she just couldn't believe the sort of mess, you know, that, that the whole world had got her wrong. Um, she just couldn't, she couldn't, believe it and then i spoke to her again a couple of months after that um she lost her job and she continued to lose her job for about a year when she finally got a new job and of course when twitter found out that she'd finally got a new job after a year they tried to get her fired all over again oh my god (laughs) i know because you know when we watch making a murderer whose side are we on we're on the side of the kind-hearted defense attorney but when we have the power what do we turn into hanging judges Mm. Um, yeah, I know. It's really, it's like, we are we are witch hunters. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to go too far with the metaphors. But I remember at one point <laughs> in the midst of this, I sort of yelled to my, to my wife, "It's like year zero. It's like the Khmer Rouge." And my yeah. wife is like, "It's not like the Khmer Rouge." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, it does, yes. but, it does but we say, it's this, But honestly, it is the same mentality of the witch hunt. We're just not burning them at the stake. But it yeah. is the same group insanity. Yeah, it, it really is, and it's done. Um, you know, in the old days, social sports. Uh, in the old days, social psychologists would say that this is madness. This is literal madness that we lose our sense of sanity in a crowd. But I don't think that was what was happening. What what was happening was um, people, you know, within the echo chamber of Twitter, people wanted to... It was like a sort of form of performance piety. People wanted to show the people who followed them on Twitter that mm. they cared about people dying of AIDS in Africa. So um, to... To perform wow. that kind of uh, public compassion, everybody committed this profoundly uncompassionate act of tearing somebody apart while she was asleep on a plane. Mm. All right, yeah. John, we'll be back uh, with John uh, Ronson. The name of the book is So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It is a fascinating look at the past, but also the future, because 
we are one tweet away, each of us, from this happening to us. And do you think you're not, um, uh, you know, open for this? Well, she didn't think so either. Everybody is. She had 170 Twitter followers. Nobody was following her. And now this. Very few companies change an entire industry, but Simply Safe Home Security did. They took an antiquated, expensive industry, something you were paying $50 a month for, and nobody questioning. You'd go and you'd buy a new home, and there would already be the security system there, and you'd be like, okay, just call them up. And if you wanted to change, they have to come in and change all of the stuff out. So you were paying 50 or 60 bucks a month for the monitoring. No, you're not. You're not. And this is free? No, you, no, it's not. You're paying for it by uh, over and over and over again by accepting a $50 fee every month to monitor. Simply Say, for a limited time, has a $200 off special off their Defender package. 17 security sensors, panic button, blaring siren, wireless connection to the authorities, dispatches the police or fires the minute something happens. 24-7 monitoring, which is $15 a month, and no long-term contract. This is the future, and they are changing the way everything is being done. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Uh, the uh, offer ends soon. $200 off their uh, Defender package. Check it out. Do your own homework yourself. Compare and contrast. There's no way, if you are a thinking human being, that I, I, I can find it reasonable that you wouldn't go, uh, this is a no-brainer simplysafebeck.com go there now simplysafebeck.com the glenn beck program stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on soundcloud itunes stitcher or google play music mercury So, John, we were talking during the break. We're with uh, John Ronson. So you've been publicly shamed. We're talking about that uh, woman um, uh, that went over to Africa on the plane. She tweeted something. It was taken out of context. She was incommunicado for 11 hours. The world went crazy. We're looking for our tweet. We think that we tweeted a a kind of a... We talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. Uh, a, a a weak defense of her because we didn't know all the all the facts, but we were like, this sounds like a joke. It's written that way. It looks right. like it's a joke mocking the separation. Right. So, mm. so and, and we're looking up for the tweets because we believe we were also attacked. And this is the problem. This is why people don't say, "Hey guys, let's be reasonable," because yeah. then immediately, oh, of course you're saying that you're a hater too. Right. In fact, um, a really great. British feminist writer called Helen Lewis uh, that night tweeted, I'm not sure Justine Sacco deserves what she's getting. Maybe her tweet wasn't intended to be racist. And straight away she got a whole bunch of tweets like, well, you're just a privileged bitch too. Yep. So, so, and she, so to her shame, she, she, she wrote about my book, and that's how I know this story. Uh, to her shame, she, she stayed silent and watched as Justin Sacco's life got torn apart. And she feels bad about that now. Yeah, and feels bad about it. How does the, how does the gawker guy feel? 
Um, you know, actually, um, in the summer, he, he, he wrote another article about her when he discovered that she'd got a new job. Wrote another article saying, you know, the lousy has been's got a new job. So Justine, who I've stayed in touch with the whole time, emailed him and said, look, we've got to have a drink to sort this out. So he met her for a drink and then wrote a bit of a mea culpa article afterwards. Um, yeah, so, so he, he did some mea culpa. Mm. Really quite amazing how we don't see people as people. Yeah, I, and, you know, both sides do it. Um, that story in particular from my book became really famous because I, I wrote an extract from it for the New York Times and it became really famous. And, and I think a few people misunderstood as a result, thought my book was an attack on, on the left. But that's not it at all. I mean, there's plenty of stories no, in my book about the right doing exactly yeah, it's the not, same thing. It's, it's not a left or right thing. It's a human thing. It's like racism. Yeah, racism a, exists everywhere. It's a human thing. It's, for me, it's a story about justice. Like, you know, what we did with Justine Sacco was we tried her, convicted her, and sentenced her to a year in purgatory, not getting another job, while she was asleep on the plane and had no idea there was even a trial. And not only was there no feelings of guilt about that, people thought it was hilarious. The number of tweets that were like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to my Friday night. Hashtag oh has Justine Sacco landed yet, maybe the best thing to happen to my Friday night. People thought it was so funny that she was, um, unaware we, of her destruction. We, we, have, we have two more stories of destruction, and are we engaging in this? Next. We are the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. John Ronson is with us. He is the uh, author of So You've Been Publicly Shamed. We've been talking about fake news, um, and I'm particularly interested in the ability of the average person to destroy and to be destroyed, because now we're all publishers. Uh, We are all able to publish something to the entire world, and the entire world gets to judge a book by your one tweet or your one Facebook um, uh, mention, and that's it. I mean, we are judging a book by the cover. And it's a frightening thing when you come to think about it and you see the people who have been destroyed. Um, John, should we go to to Hank? And uh, how do you say her name? Uh, Adria. Adria. Okay, so tell us about Hank and Adria. Yeah, this is a particularly... I think kind of upsetting and difficult story. Um, So it begins at a tech conference in Santa Clara. Hank is sitting chatting to a friend 
making stupid kind of beavis and butthead type jokes. There's some something's happening on the stage about dongles, and Hank whispers to his friend something about dongles, like some kind of stupid dope joke, but like whisper. Um, as he told me afterwards, it wasn't even conversation level volume. So the woman sitting in front turns and takes a photograph, and Hank assumes that um, she's taking a photograph of the crowd, so he tries to not get in her shot. But then a few minutes later, Hank and his friend are called out of the conference and told that there'd been a complaint about sexual language. So they apologized, and then because they're kind of nerdy guys, they left the conference. You know, they didn't like conflict, so they left the conference. On their way to the airport, they thought, what happened there? Like, what happened? And the nightmare scenario was that the woman in front had complained via a public tweet on Twitter. And that is exactly what happened. She'd she'd sent, um, she'd tweeted the photograph of the two men uh, with the comment, something like, not cool, jokes about big dongles right behind me. Um, And so two days later, Hank was called into his boss's office and fired. Um, so that night, Hank went on to Hacker News, a message board, saying what had happened, saying, you know, I, I was fired, you know, I, I I shouldn't have said what I said, but the woman in front just smiled and see what my face. It's not even her business. It wasn't directed to her. It wasn't, I mean, oh, also, why yeah. does anybody care? Right. Well, okay, let me, before we go on to that, can I tell you what happened next? Yes. I think what happened next is really important too. Um, so Hank was fired, and then 4chan and the other groups all decided to get Adria. Now, um, and so she was then subjected to months and months of photographs of beheaded women with tape over their mouths. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, death threats and rape threats, and she lost her job, too. So it was just carnage. I mean, everyone was just like babies crawling towards guns. Um, and <laughs> I, I think what that story <laughs> shows is that, you know, we are, social media is such a kind of primitive thing, and all we can think to do is lurch towards outrage and lurch towards shaming so a woman shames a man in an inappropriate way what did the men then do shame her back in an even more inappropriate way um i I think you know these are the i think these are the stories that maybe in years to come will form um chapters in books about how donald trump ended up being our president i I think you're i think in many ways you're right I, i will tell you this um this is probably about six years ago, and I would like to go back into the Twitter feeds and see what could be found now. Um, yeah. But I remember as a family, we were in a park in New York. And, Ron, you're from uh, the U.K., right? Right, yes, yes. yes. But I so I'm not sure if you know how unpopular I can be in the United States. But <laughs> I, um, I am aware. You're aware. <laughs> oh, I've made international fame. Um, so uh, uh, I was in the, um, uh, the uh, Bryant Park when I was in New York, and people were mocking my family, and one woman spilled wine on my wife intentionally. And the reason why we know is because... They started tweeting things about Glenn Beck's family is here and ha ha ha, how funny it is. I uh, accidentally, in quotation marks, spilled wine on his wife. 
People hmm. also think that they're invisible while yeah. they're, you know what I mean? And maybe that's six years ago, but these people in this crowd didn't, didn't think that we would also be reading what's being said. And did you do anything about it? We left. Yeah. Um, I, just took my, I just took my family. We were surrounded. My, my, ch- my children and my wife got up to go to the bathroom, and they were almost half a block away from me, and they were being chanted at, we don't want your kind here. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a mob scene. It was right. a mob scene. Sadly. This is why I, I personally, as a kind of centrist, I think kind of conciliatory centrism has become really unfashionable. And there should have been more of it the night that Justine Sacco got destroyed. But in fact, being a centrist was, was considered to be like a weakness. Like if anybody said, let's wait for her to land so we can hear what she has to say right. about her joke, people thought that was kind of pathetic weakness. Right. Right? Why should we wait to hear what she has to say? We know what she means. That was a clue to her kind of secret inner evil. So as a result, I really admire anybody who's, who's trying to move away from this kind of you know, pollution of polarization. And I've, and I've noticed that that's what you've been doing lately, Glenn, and I, I, I really appreciate it. I think people on all sides need to do what, what you're well, trying to do. I will tell you, John, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because the first thing is to make people aware of what's happened and, what, and to start to see people that are on Twitter mm-hmm. as people. Because yeah. I don't think we would do this. Well, I mean, I just told you a story in Bryant Park where it was in person. But for the average <laughs> person, I don't. That's yeah, right. I, I'm Glenn Beck, so I'm not a person anymore. Right. Um, but, and you're right. Everybody is now, Glenn. You know, everybody on, on Twitter has become. It's, everybody on Twitter has become like corporations that have to learn damage limitation, which is very <laughs> stressful given that Twitter was supposed to be kind of. Fun. I mean, the yeah. whole point of Twitter was that it was supposed to be like a kind of fun, a fun way to connect with our fellow humans. Uh, was John, it? John, Go ahead. John you, this is an interesting point on this because um, the two examples we've talked about so far, both Justine Sacco and uh, the guy with the dongle joke, I think to a conservative audience, you say, yeah, this is ridiculous. You know, you make a kind of off color joke and maybe it's not right, but you get beat up and you get fired for it. Mm. I like that the. the the um, example you have of, of Lindsay Stone, because to our audience, I think it's, it's more challenging, but all right. the same principles apply here. Yes, absolutely. So Lindsay Stone, you couldn't meet a nicer person. I mean, on many levels, Lindsay is even more sympathetic. I mean, I think all my people are sympathetic, but, you know, she, she works with adults with learning difficulties and was great at her job. Um, took them on a trip to Washington, D.C., uh, so they went to the Mint and they went to the Holocaust Museum and then they went to Arlington. And Lindsay and her friend had this little douchey joke that they would share amongst their Facebook friends. And the joke was to stand in front of a sign and do the opposite. So they would smoke in front of a no smoking sign or, you know, loiter in front of a no loitering sign. It was just like a little private joke. Anyway, at Arlington, um, they see a sign that says, keep off the grass. And they thought, should we? And then they thought, no, we don't want to get into trouble. And then they saw another sign that said silence and respect. And so, as Lindsay told me later, inspiration struck. So she she posed in front of the sign, pretending to shout and flip the bird. Uh, And so she posted it on Facebook. And then a friend of hers who was in the military said, 
I think that's kind of disrespectful. You should take it down. And Lindsay went, uh, oh, don't be ridiculous. It's just us being us. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Um, and then they forgot all about it. And then a month later, suddenly it just went super viral. Uh, some pro-military website had picked up on it. And she got everything that Justine got, death threats, rape threats. Um, and, and because it was from the right, it was like things like, you know, when, when it was Justine, it was like typical privileged white woman. When it was Lindsay, it was typical feminist. So it's exactly the same, exactly <laughs> the same demonization uh, happening just from the different spectrum. And it went on and on and on. And Lindsay was completely ill-equipped to deal with it. So she went from being this happy-go-lucky young woman who went to karaoke to somebody who stayed home for a year and a half having suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, insomnia. Of course, she lost her job too. Um, and, you know, by the time... Go on, sorry. No, no, go ahead. By well, the time... Just, by the time I met her, you know, she again, she was just crushed. I mean, we, we always end these stories by thinking, well, I'm sure they're fine now. But they're not... I mean, people kill themselves. Um, everybody I spoke to will have contemplated suicide, um, but some people do kill themselves. Uh, frequently, people kill themselves because of social media shamings, and there's no outrage about that because we don't want to feel bad about the bad things that we do. And so, but there doesn't seem to be a line in our society anymore of, you know, like if Barack Obama went into Arlington and flipped him off and, and started fake screaming in front of the sign, I think there would be a righteous <laughs> outrage over that act. But right. some person we, we don't know, we don't know anything about we all them. want to be outraged. Yeah, why? Why? I don't want to live like that. Why does everyone either. want to live like that? I don't yeah. get it. It's, it's this, I think it's in part because social media was, uh, in, its, in its earliest form, it was this kind of, kind of beautiful egalitarian thing where suddenly everybody had a voice so voiceless people had a voice and by voiceless i mean you know people from marginalized communities and i, and I also mean people who were so socially awkward in real life that when yeah, you met yeah. them at a party they'd just be standing in the corner of the room but suddenly they on on social media they were funny and, and eloquent and this was like powerful but and then we thought wow we can do things we can right wrongs so we would get people who kind of deserved it. I mean, I, I can think of lots of stories from the early days of social media when a corporation had done something really bad and social media put pressure on them and they changed their policy. Um, but then, you know, I think what happened was that a day without a shaming felt like a day sort of picking fingernails and treading water. It's like we fell in love with getting people so much so, that we lowered our standards and started getting me... anyone. Let me ask you this. Are, have you watched Westworld, the TV show on HBO? Yes, I have. I watched the last episode last night. Okay. It was great, wasn't it? Great. Um, uh, one of the best endings, but I, I, uh, let's stay on track. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, riddled with it. They come back for another hour-long interview yeah. on Westworld. Uh, so, John, right. the question in the park is, um, does the park make you into something, or does it reveal who you are? I think in terms of social media, part of, the, part of it is this is lying dormant within all of us, but it's also partly because of the technology itself. Um, 
you know, social media is created by engineers. You know, it's engineers who own Silicon Valley. And what do engineers love? They love stability. They love everything going along nicely. Um, and that's why I think Twitter has evolved into a kind of echo chamber where we surround ourselves with people who feel the same way we do and we approve mm -hmm. each other and that's like a good feeling and then and it's such a powerful feeling that when somebody gets in the way who's not like us like Lindsay Stone or Justin Sacco we're like a machine furiously ejecting a destabilizing fragment so I think the the machine contributes to 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 the problem John, I would love to have you in um, and spend more time with you in person because I just think you're a fascinating guy. And this is, this is something that I think historians will be reporting on. This is the beginning of a massive cultural change globally. Um, and what we do and how we behave and how we, each of us, act as leaders in our own home, in our own uh, circle of influence... Uh, and how we either hang ourselves or don't hang ourselves as individuals is important. And I'm glad you're watching this, John. Thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate it. You bet. Um, John Ronson, uh, the name of the book is So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It is a fascinating look yeah. of stories that you have heard, but you've never heard it from their side. You've never seen what happened afterwards. Isn't it amazing? He's the only, only person in the media to reach out to her to this day. Well, at least successfully. I, don't, I mean, right. you know, since he wrote about it, I'm sure people have been interested. But well, I'm sure, I'm sure people also. She's not, she's not taking very many. No, um, no, she, she doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. My Patriot Supply is uh, our sponsor this half hour, and I, I want to take this out of the crazy town. You know, hey, uh, I think the whole world is going to collapse. I mean, <laughs> who believes that? Um, I want to take it to um, tough economic times. I grew up in a house uh, where we had powdered milk. And it is so funny because I thought everybody had powdered milk uh, growing up. And I used to hate it. Um, uh, but that's what we had. Well, that was because we weren't poor. But, you know, folks had a hard time making ends meet. Right now, four-week emergency food supply to help you in that. Only $99. Three meals a day for an entire month. 1-800-200-7163. 1-800-200-7163. Or preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. I spent 45 minutes with John Ronson, and I can't remember, uh, you know, I, I didn't think I had ever met him. We've had a couple of brushes with uh, Ronson. Uh, one of them, I was in California, and um, he asked to meet because he was trying to figure out what to, how to understand American politics. And I think we did an off-the-record half hour where he was so curious and just was like, look, I've got some questions, but I don't know what any of this means because I'm British. And I was uh, 
I was really impressed with him. He is, he's a guy I probably don't agree with on much, but he really tries to get it right. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.